What's up, Wildside besties and baddies? I'm Bailey. And I'm Chelsea. And we're here to walk you through the wild sides. From homicides to hostides and everything in between. We're so glad you're here. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. What's up, Wildside? Ooh, you know what I was going to ask you? Three, two, one, go. What song is in your head? Um, ooh, ah, just a little bit. Ooh, ah, a little bit more. Ooh, ah, just a little bit. You're the one I'm looking for. That's great. Was that the right answer for the song that was in my head? No, I just was curious. Like, I'm always curious to see what songs just pop off. You're dumb. You, how 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 did you feel about that being the song in my head? Pleasantly surprised, per usual. <laughs> uh, I would ask what song is in your head, but it's probably like it had to be you. Yeah, off of a league of their own. Mm, mm, mm. I was going to tell you. Did you did you see that we had a um, new review? I did. Well, I thought I was going to surprise you with <laughs> telling you that we had a new review on Apple. But we have a new review, and thank you so much to Emmy. And also, we had a request for someone or for a sticker to be mailed out from yeah. one of our listeners. And y'all? It was really cute. It I was loved just it. So sweet. Yeah. Anyhow, take advantage. Yeah, so uh, today, you guys, it's going to be an interesting week. We've got a cool interview dropping on Friday. And the interview is with Dr. Mark Feldman and Jordan Hope. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be on factitious disorders or Munchausen by proxy abuse as better known kind of socially. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions Chelsea and I had for you guys is how have y'all been liking the reviews coming after the case i was just talking to chelsea wondering if we should if if we should switch it up and do an interview like on a monday and then we drop the corresponding case on a wednesday Uh so would you guys rather have the case first followed by the expert interview or would you rather have the expert interview followed by a case Uh let us know please Uh because we would be interested to hear y'all's view on that and you mm-hmm. can send us an email. You can contact us through any social media outlet. Yeah. And let us know. Yeah, because I I can go, I can see both sides of that on having the interview first and then having the case after that. But yeah, we'll just, ooh, maybe I could figure out how to make a poll. And we could poll. Oh, that's smart. On like Facebook? So, yeah, maybe Facebook or even Instagram. So yeah, listeners, keep your eyes peeled for maybe a poll or something like that and we can maybe get some feedback on the schedule of drops um i feel like we've established wild side wednesday i don't think that can go away but yeah the interviews we can move around if we need to so for sure for sure anywho so now is this going to be like survivor of munchausen by proxy is this going to be an inflictor of munchausen yeah so we'll just kind of start getting into it since since you're asking so this is going to be the case of lisa hayden johnson and this is a munchausen by proxy abuse case okay Mm -hmm. 
So she was receiving, she was on the receiving end. Oh, she's the abuser. Oh, she's the abuser. She's Mm. the abuser. And this actually takes place in the UK, specifically England. So because of the age of the victim, when this happened, her child, because they were underage, and I'm sure the kind of UK laws, if you will, or England laws, the child's name was never released. Uh Uh-huh. I actually found the child's name, but I'm not going to use it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. So I created a name for the child receiving the abuse in this story. Okay. An alias. An alias. Yep. And she had another child, and that child's name was never released. Um, she also had a husband, and his name was not released. So I'm just going to refer to her daughter as her daughter and her hus- her husband as her husband. Okay. Just so you guys know that piece to it. Makes sense? Makes sense. All right. So this is going to be a tough story, you guys. Kind of trigger warning for this. It's going to be, it has to do with medical child abuse throughout this entire episode. So if that's a soft spot for you, you know, just take a deep breath, listen in spurts. Or if you need to step out on this one, then that's fine too. Uh, and also, I there were gnarlier stories that I could have chosen, but honestly, I didn't want to stomach it if I didn't have to. I get what I'm saying. You really don't do. I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody does child abuse. Any child endangerment. It's interesting. I can listen to it, mm-hmm. but when I'm reading it, it's much more impactful. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of takes a toll, if uh-huh. you will, uh-huh. and I'm and I'm just not here for it. So mm-hmm. maybe a positive spoiler alert, this does have a good ending. Yay. I always like that. Yeah. I'm always so, good for that. Are you ready? I'm ready. So in 2001, Lisa Hayden Johnson was a 31-year-old married mother of two. She and her husband were living in a small village of Brixham, located in Devon County in southwest England. She and her husband welcomed a daughter sometime in 1999, and again, I couldn't find birth dates or anything like that. I found one article, and I was able to do math to figure out approximately when she was born, the daughter. So daughter was born sometime in 1999, followed by a son that was born in 2001. In an article by Barbara Davies, this story begins when Lisa's youngest son, her youngest child, her son, that we will call Marky. Okay. Isn't that the best name? It is. Because you know how much I love Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. So Marky was born premature. He was a preemie when he was born. He was born nine weeks premature, and he weighed just three pounds, six ounces. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's, I will say... I, my heart goes out to any person who's had to go through a premature pregnancy. I have not. I had two overdue babies, but man, that's a very soft spot for me. I, I can't imagine the anxiety that goes along with delivering a oh, baby. Sure, sure. That much premature. And, and you guys will hear this in the interview on Friday with Jordan. There seems to be a correlation right. of. Munchausen by proxy abuse mothers having premature children. That, yes, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. So you guys will hear that. So again, he was born nine weeks prematurely, three pounds, six ounces. 
and he was placed in a special care baby unit where he was put on a ventilator. So as soon as he came out of the womb, he was in NICU, if you will, yeah. and he was placed on a ventilator. It's not uncommon to my knowledge that babies who are born prematurely would oftentimes need assistance breathing with the help of ventilators. That seems pretty pretty uh -huh. normal. One of my best friends had a preemie baby uh -huh. and she was in the NICU and was on a ventilator for I think about a week. Yeah, I want to say the lungs are like the last yeah. to develop. I, I really feel right. that's that's the last, but the final piece of the development is the lung maturity. Yeah. However, the problems with Marky began the moment he was born, and ventilators would be just the beginning of medical ailments and issues that he would have. From the get-go, when Lisa tried breastfeeding, Marky just would not keep anything down. Mm. He was given a nasogastric tube for feeding. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. As you can imagine, as the mother of a sick baby, Lisa was flooded with attention by sympathetic medical staff, family, friends, and neighbors. Uh -huh. Once Marky appeared stable enough to be taken off the ventilator, he was sent home with his mother, father, and older sister. But once he was home, Marky's medical troubles kept persisting. Mm -hmm. ambulances were called all the time came and went in the night due to his issues with keeping his food down mm -hmm. and for the next several years lisa would take charge of marky's chronic failing health mm -hmm. so by 2004 marky's medical issues persisted lisa claimed to doctors friends neighbors and anybody that would listen that without his food pump marky would die she shared that Marky had an allergy so rare that there were only six documented cases in the world. Six, as in one, two, three, four, five, six? Correct. Okay. Yep. According, again, to Barbara Davies' article, and shout out to Barbara Davies because she did a rock-solid job reporting on this, and I used a lot of other people's material, but she kind of included a lot of the meat and potatoes in her article, mm -hmm. and so I've spread that throughout this case. So according to this article, Lisa shared with a magazine in 2004 that she struggled significantly with the anguish of watching her son struggle with these medical issues. So mom was being interviewed by a magazine because of all these issues. And Lisa is saying how hard it was to watch Marky go through life with all of these issues. That's interesting to me that she's being interviewed by a magazine. I guess it's because he was one of six cases. We'll get there. I'm going to yeah. cover that a gotcha. lot. Yeah. Okay. Like why she was being interviewed by magazines and stuff. Okay. So Lisa went on to describe the torment Marky would suffer when watching other members of his family eating normal meals. Lisa was quoted as saying, What choice did we have? Make him sit with us at the dinner table watching us eat or get him to sit alone while we all ate together? Either one of those seemed too cruel. But he doesn't, he's never eaten anything. If he's never eaten anything, then he doesn't really know what he's missing, right? I mean, I'm sure if you're the only one of six people in the world, I'm sure you look around and say, why can't I be like all of these other people that I see in my life? You know what I mean? No. Even, I mean, even as a four or five year old. Yeah. No, that's a good point. She would go on to add, Guilt ate at me. I'd buy him a toy car every time I told him he couldn't have something to eat. 
Lisa further described how her son had to face life without food. He can't eat at his friend's birthday parties or at family barbecues. He can't have a hot dog or an ice cream on the beach. She expressed sadness she felt with her son's restrictions and watching him miss out on normal little boy things. At the end of the interview, she added, When I look at him, I don't see a sick child. I see his cheeky smile and huge puppy dog eyes. I wonder how many countries in the world eat hot dogs. I don't know. I mean, think about it. Like, that's such an American thing to me, like, eating hot dogs and ice cream on the beach, yet they're eating them in the UK. wonder if they're eating hot dogs everywhere. I don't know. So by the time Marky was three years old, Lisa put an appeal in her local paper asking for ideas on how to help him be, excuse me, more mobile. She shared that due to his medical needs, he had to drag around heavy equipment because it was required to pump milk into his stomach via a drip. After she put this out, the Hayden Johnson family was totally inundated with support and offers to help. A local carpenter by the name of Pete Cuthbert, side note, wasn't the Cuthberts off of Anne of Green Gables? I don't know. Miss Cuthbert? Anyways. But we are the VHSs. Mm-hmm. Grandma Chris gave us the VHSs of Anne of Green Gables. That's amazing. Wow. So this Pete Cuthbert, who was a carpenter, along with a designer by the name of David Langford, offered their services free of charge in making Marky a custom pump holder in the shape of a Ferrari car. Oh, now that's pretty, that's pretty dang cute. Yeah. Like, that's really cute. So, in front of the local TV and media accepting this gift, Lisa gushed her thanks for the dedication and support of her family for her little Marky. Lisa and Marky... But Lisa specifically became somewhat of a local celebrity in her hometown village of Brixham because everybody who knew the family knew of the crazy medical issues that Marky had been struggling with since he was born. Mm. I mean, okay. yeah. Yeah. Especially especially in smaller towns, right? Mm-hmm. And so naturally, the community surrounded the family with love and support, providing them with donations, gifts, Anything that could make their lives easier because of the struggles that they had with Marky, right? Uh It was reported that Lisa received roughly 20,000 pounds a year in benefits for help for Marky, along with numerous cash donations and charity gifts. Hmm. She received free cruises to two different countries, along with free X-Factor tickets. So on one occasion, Lisa wrote to Simon Cowell. I was going to say Simon Cowell X-Factor. Is that yes. right? He was yes. X-Factor and American Idol. Yes. I believe so. So she wrote to Simon Cowell telling him of her son's suffering due to his rare conditions and then discharged him from the hospital so that they could use the free X-Factor tickets that had been sent to them as a charity offering. Just like the X-Factor tickets, the gifts just kept pouring in and it didn't stop there. Lisa even successfully nominated Marky for a Children of Courage Award. She and Marky even met Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, as well as the Prime Minister at the time, Tony Blair, along with other celebrities such as the actress June Whitfield, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, and the casts of Casualty and EastEnders. Okay. Okay, so there was a lot of 
public attention for Marky's situation. Yeah. So despite the ongoing revolving doors of medical specialists, Marky would go on to develop a whole range of chronic issues. And this is where the shit gets crazy. So Marky was wheelchair-bound. He was allergic to nearly all food, which is why he had to have a feeding tube in his stomach. And according to Lisa, Marky had cerebral palsy, diabetes, and cystic fibrosis, even though doctors could not find any symptoms. Hmm. Marky was in and out of hospitals due to his perplexing and complex medical issues and had been literally since birth. Hmm. Finally, because there was just no interventions that were working, Marky was transferred to a specialist clinic in London, the Great Ormond Street Hospital known as GOSH. In 2005, this posh London clinic was working on a $300 million redevelopment project by funding the Guernsey floor for what they coined to be the patient hotel. So according to an article by Guernsey Press, this 30-bedroom facility would allow thousands of families a year to stay in a comfortable home-like environment. So kind of like a home away from home. Mm -hmm. Just a few hundred yards from expert medical care. This meant that the children who were being treated at GOSH were spared unnecessary hospital admissions and the loved ones of the children being treated could spend more time with their kids, right, close yeah. by, yeah. minimizing the stress and chaos of daily hospital ward interactions. Yeah. So it was no, a, that's a brilliant deal. And that's a brilliant idea. That's a, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that deal. Right. So in the same article, Lisa's mother, Maureen, was interviewed as the grandmother of, quote, a four-year-old boy who was receiving life-saving treatment at GOSH. So, I mean, even the top-tier medical providers, like medical institutions, they even knew about Marky. Oh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maureen was quoted as adding... I really can't believe how lovely this place is. We can cook here, go shopping, eat meals around the table as a family. And when the children go to bed, we can sit in the lounge, make a cup of tea, and chat as we would at home. It's a hotel, but they've made it very homely. She continued that this was such a wonderful experience for the family, as prior to the establishment by gosh, Marky's mother would have had to stay in the children's ward being that it was super chaotic, noisy, and restrictive, right? It's not ideal to spend a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, before this whole establishment, the oldest daughter would have to be left at home in Devon. And so Grandma Maureen elaborated on this dynamic, stating the oldest daughter felt very isolated because they would spend a lot of time up at excuse me, they would spend a lot of time up at the hospitals for Marky, right? Right. And so the daughter, who is totally overshadowed in this whole situation, Mm -hmm. but there were lots of reports that she got very clingy and insecure. And so now that this gosh center opened, Marky is at a specialist and the family is receiving all of these accommodations, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I included this article because that shows the extent of what everybody thought this boy was facing. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, 
or fortunately, however you want to look at it from what angle. Things started to take a turn for the worse, at least for Lisa. At this point, Marky was seven years old, so this is like 2008. Mm -hmm. There were no clear indications as to why he was as sick as he was. After the interview with Dr. Feldman and Joe, it's pretty evident thus far in this case that we're dealing with some major concerning issues and behaviors by mom. Mm -hmm. Safe to say, right? Yeah. I think especially when you have such common and um, complex and severe ailments, diagnosis, conditions like cystic fibrosis, like, what did you say, diabetes, cystic fibrosis, and cerebral palsy, yet the doctors can't really find that. It would be one thing if it's like, oh, they have some sleeping sickness and there's not a lot of research out there, but, you know, it's like, if you have diabetes, that's pretty easy to diagnose but the doctors are like yeah we're not really eh, we're not really seeing that that's kind of for me where i start thinking like that's not looking too good well and so i put this this big chunk in here that we're going to get to because i know i felt this way when when joe was telling their story of like why didn't anybody intervene why didn't anybody say anything And so, again, Chelsea, you've said before, it's really easy to judge in our ivory towers, but when we're in the middle of it, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances or factors sometimes that we don't think about, right? According to an article by Sharice Pham, Dr. Eric Mart, who is a psychiatrist, and he's the author of Munchausen by Proxy Reconsidered, he said that some doctors are overzealous in their accusations of Munchausen by Proxy either because they are troubled by annoying parents or because they are experts in the disorder and have a bias towards identifying it. And so he goes on to say, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, meaning that they overdiagnose, like they're quick to diagnose. Yeah, so this, this Dr. Mar is essentially saying, uh, like he's quoted as saying, there's an old saying in medicine, you find what you look for and you look for what you know. So his gotcha. mentality is we can't just, jump on this Munchausen by proxy accusation train Mm -hmm. because if you're a specialist in it then everything can look like yes this right right and so there are we know that professionals are mandated reporters Mm -hmm. and and I'm sure it's the same way in the UK though I don't know like the specific legal bindings of that yeah mandates and right Mm -hmm. but a lot of these you know, doctors, nurses, mandated reporters just don't want to cause any problems, especially if they don't have sufficient evidence to support their suspicions. Right. Right. And I also feel that there is, we do, and I, you know, this is a pretty, pretty current case. And I feel like, you know, this medical malpractice became such a big deal in our generation of people being able to sue I mean, truly sue the parents off of doctors. I mean, just carrying medical malpractice insurance a lot of times is to the point that physicians almost cannot make enough to pay off student loan debts because their insurance is so high to cover their medical malpractice. So I can see where it's like, you don't want to get into a situation. Yes, you want to treat a patient and you have taken that Hippocratic oath. But again, 
if you are not a thousand percent sure and it's to where you're having to risk, could this turn into a lawsuit and I lose mm -hmm. and I lose everything? I can see that. I can see where you're a little hesitant to deep dive into something that you're not not 100% sure on. Yeah. And people don't like rocking a boat. Just because you're a professional doesn't mean that that's different or that changes. So I've had to make several reports in my career, right? I've had to call <laughs> Child Protective Services, Department of Family and Child Services, whatever the case is. And it doesn't ever get easier. So every time I have to make a report, I'm just like, oh, crap, this is going to be a shit show. I mean, sometimes it goes really well. Sometimes the parents are like, yeah, I understand. And then sometimes they're just like, you're the worst human in the whole world. Well, and I was going to say, like, it's probably one of those things where it's like, I mean, outside you abusing your child, you're actually a pretty great person. I actually like being around you. You know what I mean? Because we've talked about that in a couple of interviews, like working with quote unquote criminals, perpetrators, whatever it is, where it's like, I mean, besides that, they're they're enjoyable, they're likable. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to make a, you know, make a claim on somebody who besides that, they're pretty likable people. Yeah. And it it honestly took the help of a supervisor and colleague of mine to you know because i would always be like you know do i have to report this and she'd be like you know according to our state laws technically yes and i'd be like but i don't have any evidence and it took me a while to wrap my brain around this need for proof because as a mandated reporter you don't have to have proof that's why you contact them and they do the investigation piece to find proof or not you have to have a reasonable suspicion, suspicion mm. right so I get it. Having, you know, being a mandated reporter, being somebody who's had to make reports, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not fun. And you really want to avoid it like the plague, but you just you can't. Right. No. Yeah, absolutely. But to make it even more complicated, according to an article by Melanie Newman, and this article explores Munchausen by proxy cases and at the Gosh Clinic, she writes that the fact that Marky was being treated at a specialist clinic and at specialist clinics and centers of excellence meant that other providers and organizations found it more difficult to challenge their treatment. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Right? And so, like, in the therapy world, one of the best, the most renowned places are, like, Hazelden or the Meadows. Mm -hmm. And if somebody came to me and the Hazelden and the Meadows didn't report it, then it all it almost is like, oh, well, crap. You know, they're the best of the best. So maybe I'm looking at this incorrectly. Right. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So who wants to question the upper echelon of treatment providers yeah absolutely so the other piece that i added in here is you know to further complicate why i think these cases can fall through the cracks and in this case marky there are groups out there that really evoke fear of reporting about an issue that is not what it appears to be so again in sharice fam's article Groups like Mothers Against Munchausen Allegations says doctors make such accusations when they cannot find the cause of chronic illness or when they are tired of interacting with what they believe is a troublesome parent. 
So you have this group who are Mothers Against Munchausen allegations, and they're like, if a doctor can't find why this kid is so sick, or they're just tired of dealing with pain in the ass parents, then they can make this allegation. Mm-hmm. I mean, can they? Yes. Is it common? Uh, we'll get there. Mothers have also been falsely accused of Munchausen by proxy, sometimes to devastating effect. Mm-hmm. In Tennessee, a, wom- a woman by the name of Julie Patrick founded Mothers Against Munchausen Allegations following the death of her infant son, Philip. Officials at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville suspected Julie of being a Munchausen mother in 1996. One month after child services separated her from Philip, he died from causes related to numerous birth defects, including like gastrointestinal problems. Mm. So Julie started this mama website six months after her son's death to reach out to others who were falsely accused of Munchausen by proxy. One thing that she told ABC News in 2004 is it was a way of finding others and to know that you're not alone. There's a feeling of being totally alone when you face this accusation. Mm -hmm. And this, what I wrote here was, could you imagine reporting this and it turns into you were totally wrong and it created like that Netflix series, Take Care of Maya? Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes. Again. That's what I mean of, you know, you you take this oath, right? This Hippocratic oath or, you know, dentists take the same type of oath where it's like, you know, you have to do no harm, but you also have to treat a patient, um, like do what's right and what's good for the patient, Mm -hmm. right? So there's this balance of you have to do what's best for them, but you also don't purposefully inflict harm. And how do you do that? How do you do both? You know, Mm because sometimes doing the right thing will inflict harm and sometimes, you know, vice versa. It's just it's really a sticky, sticky, sticky situation. And not to go off on this whole thing, but again, thank you to, you know, and this will be dropping later. But thanks, Dr. K. And thanks, Dr. A. For kind of mm-hmm. ruining my whole perspective on like things like intuition and things like, you know, history. I have a history of of this and right. I, I feel confident in it. Well, what if your history is wrong? What if your right. intuition is wrong? Yeah. 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 So according to Dr. Mark Feldman, which is really cool that he shows up in all of these articles as the professional, me actually like got to know him and interview him. So this is the cool part about this hobby, I guess. So according to Dr. Mark Feldman, psychiatrist and expert on factitious disorders, medical records of children of Munchausen mothers often show years of medical tests. Mm -hmm. So there's usually a breadcrumb trail, if you will. Mm -hmm. He also adds to the complexity of Munchausen by proxy abuse that, generally speaking, doctors do everything they can to avoid accusing mothers. So that was like what your friend, Dr. Hart, the pediatrician, was just like, I don't want to go toe-to-toe with this mom if I am not sure that what I'm thinking is accurate, right? Right, right. Yeah, she's like, I want to build a relationship with these parents. I want the parents to trust me. I want to trust the parents, like, because we both have the common goal of taking care of this child. Right. 
So he he just kind of adds like they don't like to think badly or negatively of patients' families and specifically of mothers. Mm-hmm. And he says, quote, it is counterintuitive that any mother would do this to her child. Mm-hmm. So people, and I think that's why Munchausen by proxy abuse can fall between the cracks so easily. Like the more I dig into this and the more I really understand the dynamics. Because if you're like, this is what I'm seeing, but then everything in our society is telling you that that's probably not the case, uh-huh. right? This mom is probably not abusing their child, right? Dr. Feldman, interestingly, in regard to false accusation, he states that false accusations do occur, but according to his research, they are super rare. So Dr. Feldman reviewed 350 documented cases of Munchausen by proxy abuse and found that just seven of those 350 cases involved a situation where mothers had been falsely accused. So I say all of this to put it in perspective of how these, again, how these cases can kind of slip through the cracks. It's super uncomfortable. It's super complex for everybody involved. Right. But false accusations are pretty rare, according to his research, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. According to an article by Alexis Equagurum, Lisa's fantasy life began to unravel when a pediatrician raised the alarm after reviewing Marky's medical files. So, I'm sorry, did you, did you say that this was just a pediatrician or was this a pre- pediatrician at Gosh? You know, I don't know. Okay. So it was a little confusing putting these pieces together. Mm-hmm. They uh, later on it'll say a doctor. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Gosh. And then another one said a pediatrician. So I'm not really sure. Okay. So finally, one individual saw this and was the brave whistleblower in this whole thing. It's reported that this pediatrician became suspicious that his health problems had gone on for so long without a clear diagnosis. Mm hmm. According to an article by Richard Smith, up until this point, any time that Lisa was questioned about any of the diagnoses of her son by doctors, hospitals, clinics, she claimed to have been a registered nurse, and this goes back to what you said, Chelsea, and threatened to, quote, sue the hell out of anyone that questioned her about that diagnosis. hmm Yep. Finally, when questioned by a suspicious doctor in Torbay Hospital about her son... Lisa became aggressive and hysterical. She doubled down, insisting that her son was sick this time, adding that he was diabetic. So before when I said diabetic, that's the overview. Up until this point, him being diabetic was not part of his list of symptoms. Gotcha. This is where it was added to the whole barrage of issues. She took blood sugar samples at home, which when compared to tests done by professionals, were clearly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Three different blood samples that she provided had readings that seemed too high even for a genuine diabetic. Right. When blood tests were done in the hospitals, the readings were normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. It seemed to be that she was lacing Marky's food and drink with huge amounts of sugars before taking the pinprick test, but they weren't sure. They They said that maybe either she gave him... Uh, lots of sugar, or she spiked his urine samples. I Okay, this is not funny, and I'm not laughing at that. Did you ever see that Seinfeld episode where Elaine was eating so many lemon poppy seed muffins 
that her drug tests at work kept coming back that she was a drug user because of all of this like lemon poppy scene and so she got like one of the older ladies it might have been george's mom to do the urine test for her and they're like so it, it was clear but you have really bad osteoporosis <laughs> Yeah, you never know what you're going to get when you take other people's urine. (laughs) And for all of my people out there who think that you can eat a bunch of poppy seeds and blame your drug use on that, that's a nerve, okay? (laughs) I don't remember their research, but I think you would literally have to eat like an entire gallon of poppy seeds (laughs) for it to even make like difference. So people would come in and just be like, I'd be like, hey, you tested positive, you know, for this. And they'd be like, oh you know, oh, Miss B, I'm so sorry. It just slipped my mind. My girl got me two poppy seed muffins and they were banging Miss B. And it's got to be them poppy seeds. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Okay. There is a case, and this is random, but there is a case where, so when I worked in DUI court, you had to watch the clients give their samples. So that was super awkward for me to be their therapist and then also <laughs> like have to watch them. And there was a dude who um, bought a Wizenator. Are you familiar with that? It's just oh. like a fake penis that you can pee through and it I looks like. Say, oh, please, please enlighten me. Yeah. Please tell me what a Wizenator so is. So he had a Wizenator that was of a different ethnicity than himself. <laughs> Was he like, excuse me while I whip this out? I was like, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Unless you have some rare. Maybe he should be at gosh. Maybe he had a rare genetic. He did not. He got a Wiznator that was not the same color of his skin. And I was like, I think. I think that we're going to have to have a conversation about this. Okay. So Lisa was probably spiking Marky's urine with glucose, sugar, something. So this is when Gosh recommended that Marky stay for a few days for op- for observation. Mm-hmm. Something that was insisted upon by the doctors. Mm. They needed to understand how these levels changed so drastically, and in order to do so, they needed 24-7 observation for at least a few days. Mm. Lisa Lisa's going to be was not, she was not having it. Oh, man. This is when things really take a turn for the worse, and by this time, Marky is about seven years old, and some health professionals and school staff also met together and then brought their concerns to the police. So lots of things kind of happened fairly within the same time frame, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. it had gotten to a point that the scale just started to tip. Right, right. So this is now 2007, and this is now when Lisa, in a shocking turn of events reported that she had been raped near her home. What? Como say what? When police closed in on the investigation into Marky's illnesses, Lisa invented a rape claim involving a motorcyclist, right, that this guy had raped her and, by the way, ended up wrecking this innocent man's marriage. No. Come on, Lisa. 
get a better hobby. She even cut her own face to back up allegations about the rape to police. So she was trying to do like a red herring, right? She was trying to be like, oh, by the way, I was raped. So that hopefully it would take attention off of this whole observation glucose test and inconsistencies. Surprisingly, though, these false allegations actually ended up essentially accelerating the medical concerns mm. about Marky's medical condition. So it, it really backfired. backfired. And so Lisa Hayden Johnson was arrested in October of 2007 for false claims of sexual assault. Okay. Soon after this, the truth began to emerge on the craziness of this whole thing, this whole web that she had spun. During their investigations, both into the rape and the potential Munchausen by proxy abuse concerns raised by hospital officials, investigators finally ar arrested her, as I said. But the key tipping point to the arrest is the fact that they found home videos of Marky running around in his swim trunks during a cruise holiday. So this is a wheelchair-bound, oxygen tank-holding right. kid. Like, can only have special milk through a tube. Yes. With, yeah, atroph completely atrophied muscles. Oh, God. And what investigators would soon uncover would be more baffling than anyone could ever have imagined. Ooh, ooh, tell me. Tell me, tell According me. to articles by Alexis Aquagiram and Luke Salkeld, Detective Constable Mark Uren revealed that police seized a computer from Lisa's home and found videos of Marky eating a roast dinner with Yorkshire pudding at a pub and running around without the aid of oxygen or a pump. More than that, police also discovered holiday videos of Marky on a cruise ship running around with his swimming trunks and eating hearty meals. So investigators quickly discovered that Marky was a totally healthy little boy and had been since he was a baby. Come to find out, Chelsea, are you ready for this? Are you ready for it? Due to Lisa's abuse, Marky had a total of 325 medical encounters in just seven years of his life. 325 medical encounters, seven years. I really, you should have told me that earlier and I could have done the quick math on like how many, like that's one medical counter per, you know, like six days or something like that. So it's probably like 45, 45 a year, 12, 24, 36, 48. So that's roughly four a month. That's once a week. That's once a week. You're going, and I'm sure that's it's not just my bad. That's my bad math, but, but I'm sure like, you're probably not far off. And I imagine this is not just like, Hey, my kid is kind of having some sinus issues Will you take a look? I'm sure it was like, oh my gosh, I think his ear might have fallen off. It was really bad. We've, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it was always like this panicked taking 3.86 a month. So roughly one a week. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. And all of these medical encounters were due to her claims that he suffered from illnesses such as, this is the full range, diabetes, 
food allergies, cerebral palsy, cystic fibrosis, dysphagia, a neurological disorder which reduces mobility, a metabolic disorder, and an intolerance to sunlight. According to an article by Richard Seville, prosecutor Andrew McFarlane was quoted as saying, the boy never suffered from any of these disorders or handicaps, and the symptoms reported by Lisa were fictitious, either invented by her or created by her. Mm -hmm. Marky had consequently been subjected to a series of physical intrusions and interventions during his medical treatment. Such of these treatments included blood tests, intravenous treatments, a gastrostomy, and he was fed through a tube and confined to a wheelchair with an oxygen tank attached. He also underwent explorative surgery completely unnecessarily. You know, I think what upsets me the most is knowing people having friends whose children truly do have things like cystic fibrosis. To me, it's I really don't. I'm so tempted to use the word sickening, um, and I'm and I might just leave it at that. But it's just heartbreaking to know personally people who go through the hell of having a child diagnosed with cystic fibrosis or having a child that has cerebral palsy, and to I hate to say it, but to waste medical professionals' time and to be oh, so insensitive. Yeah. Like that to me is being so insensitive to the people who truly are suffering and living with this. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I just, it's really, that's really hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Marky had at least nine general anesthetics, which were unnecessary. And police, when they arrested Lisa when they were looking through the home and everything. In Marky's room, there was a hospital bed, a feed pump, oxygen mask, and medical supplies from like wall to ceiling, like wall to wall, floor to ceiling. Medications filled the cabinets in their kitchen. Everything around that house was medical equipment, okay. supplies, and medications. Okay. okay. Lisa had referred to Marky as the... Um, most ill child in Britain. And like that was the tabloid name for him was like the sickest child in Britain. So like Man. pretty much the whole country knew about this case. Man. What's even more is during the investigation process, police began to interview neighbors, family, friends of Lisa's. This woman had managed to totally con every literal person around her including her parents her husband and her children everyone in her family truly believed that marky was on death's doorstep every single day she had been an ultimate master manipulator all reports began to indicate that after the gushy interviews with tv stations and charities when the cameras were off she became self-important and super confrontational towards other people. Mm. She was boastful about the holidays that the family had been given because of her son's illness. And remember in our interview, with Dr. Feldman and Joe, Joe had mentioned that many of these abusers had underlying personality disorders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So that also circles back to your statement of like, 
how sickening this behavior is. Mm -hmm. So I did some research and according to procedures online of the mothers who are identified of fabricating or inducing illness in their children, such as Munchausen by proxy abuse, 72% of those women of those mothers had anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. 55% engaged in self-harming behaviors. 21% misused alcohol or drugs. 10% of them had a previous child death. And here's the real number. 89% had a diagnosed personality disorder. Hmm. So personality disorder could be histrionic. It could be borderline. It could be narcissism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if we were to look at all of these reports around Lisa's manipulative nature, the behavior needing to be glorified, Mm -hmm. she likely struggles. So I am not going to diagnose her. But if you were to look up narcissistic personality disorder in the DSM and compare that to neighbor, family, friends, reports of what happened, Mm -hmm. the criteria match. Right, right, right. That Venn diagram, as you're always saying, yeah. like, there's some pretty big overlaps. It's almost eclipsed, right? <laughs> so if she were fully... <laughs> <laughs> it's like little baby slivers left on the Yeah, on yeah. The so I would not be surprised if she were or has been properly assessed by a mental health professional who specializes in this, if they were like, hey, she's got this, I'd be like, I'm not surprised. You would say, oh, you don't say. You don't say. (laughs) One of Lisa's neighbors, Kate Neat, who is a nurse, stated, they began having a very good standard of living, talking about the tons of donations, charities, awards, etc. that Lisa had received due to Marky's chronic perplexing illnesses. Yeah, you know, I always wonder about the, um, like, the snowball effect with this stuff. You know, mm. like, did it really truly start out where it's like, yes, he was a preemie. He did have, you know, yeah, he had some some issues. He had some concerns. She had some anxiety. Like, did it start out innocent? Did it start out like she really was doing it out of concern? And then it was like, oh, Oh, my. If we were to look at this through the lens of abuse, right, people mm-hmm. who get into relationships with an abuser, mm-hmm. they don't slap you because you needed to be slapped because you were crying uncontrollably and you needed some guidance and direction. So essentially what I'm hearing you say is like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Did did the issues he had as a preemie maybe trigger some of this behavior? I don't think that those trigger abuse. I think you already have those characteristics or those markers Mm -hmm. and now you just have like an opportunity yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's and that that's scary yeah and so her neighbor kate went on to say that lisa told me she had sued that she had sued medical staff and claimed damages it's horrific to think that she used her son for her own gains like that but lisa didn't just stop there she also lied about her profession Yep, you guys guessed it. She was not a nurse. See, and I almost asked you, and aren't you so glad that I didn't? I'm so glad you let me give this punchline. She never had been. She never was a nurse. She even lied about it 
about her qualifications to find work as a phlebotomist at a medical center that she had worked at. Apparently, she began nursing school courses while at King's College in London when she was a teen, and she had been living with her parents at the time, but she dropped out after a few months. She lied about being a nurse and further weaponized her abuse on her child as well as emotional, mental, and psychological abuse on medical staff. So this woman was abusing everybody around her. Mm-hmm. Kate Neat, same neighbor. She also said that she would see Marky going to school in an electric wheelchair, but playing football and riding a bike when he got home. She was quoted as saying, Lisa would tell us that he was being fed through a tube, but I would see him eating sweets and ice cream in the garden. I was suspicious about her from the start, but you don't like to question a mother's word. I think she got away with it because she told everyone she was a qualified nurse and the child wasn't old enough to dispute the symptoms that she was telling the doctors about. She was confrontational and intimidating and she could pick an argument with anyone. One thing I said here is like, let's not pass judgment on this neighbor either. No. Right? Because they're like, oh, well, she's a nurse. She's a mandated reporter when she sees that. You guys, uh, you questioned your own sanity. If this woman is a nurse and she's being seen by medical providers, you're under the assumption that obviously if there was something to be reported, it would have been reported. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's a normal thought for any human to have, right? Right. Well, and and I guess in kind of a weird way, it's almost like the bystander effect, right? Where you're like, I mean, who am I? Who am I to say anything? He's seeing doctors. If there was something going on, it would be addressed. Or if she did say something to the woman, the woman would probably have an answer for it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, And she was a nurse. And what are you going to ask a mother who's a nurse and who has a sick child? You're going to walk up on a sunny day and be like, let me see your credentials. Right? Yeah. Let, yeah. let me do a Google search of your license number. Although maybe we should. Um, So as I mentioned before, Lisa Hayden Johnson was arrested in October of 2007. And at that point, Marky was taken into care. And what I gather is care in the UK is the equivalent of like CPS for us. Mm -hmm. When they say taken into care. So he was taken into like child custody, right? Okay. Then in 2009, the trial for Lisa began with her pleading guilty to charges of child cruelty and perverting the cause of justice for the false rape accusation. So she went on trial for both. And I and I I'm kind of glad that you brought that up again. I'd kind of almost forgotten about the whole rape allegations as, you know, being that cherry on top like man, this is a complex. This is a complex yeah. woman. She's ruining lives all around her during her trial according to nine news prosecutor andrew mcfarlane shared with the court quote as a result of her sadistic fabrication of non-existent symptoms the defendant achieved much publicity and national attention including an encounter with royalty and then the prime minister he continued by sharing that lisa reveled in the publicity generated by her son's alleged illnesses And the pinnacle of her achievements came when she, like I said before, successfully lobbied for Marky to receive a Child of Courage Award in 2005. So he was like, she's lapping this up. Mm -hmm. 
The court pointed out how Lisa thrived on the attention that she received due to her manipulation of literally everyone around her and about the supposed ailments of her son, Marky. The court was witness to the atrocities that Lisa did and the abuse her son, Marky, had to endure literally every day of his entire life. Again, according to Richard Smith's article, Prosecutor McFarlane was also quoted as saying, she orchestrated and ensured a regime of medical, psychological, and physiological mistreatment amounting to 24 hours a day torture that touched on every aspect of his young, vulnerable life. Yeah. She described her son as being the most ill child in Britain. His sister lived in permanent dread that he was shortly to die. Oh, man. He added that Lisa subjected her son to lengthy and enduring cruelty, which, yes. The court heard Lisa's claims that her son's illness was accepted with respect because, again, it was widely believed she had nursing experience. They revealed to the Exeter Crown Court that Lisa, in fact, was not a nurse at any point, and she wrongfully obtained a nursing post, adding to her credibility in the eyes of medical professionals treating her son. This highlighted the premeditation and awareness that Lisa had around what she was doing. Hmm. This was not a case of mental illness. This was a case of a child being abused by his mother, period, end of story. Mm. According to an article by Jerome Taylor, Judge Stephen Wildblood, which, cool name, who was presiding over the trial, told Lisa in his closing arguments that there were only four words for her behavior. Cruel, manipulative, perverse, disordered, and pitiful pretty sure that's five and it's like that's at least five but again we've done a lot of quick math in this episode he said your son will have to realize this is super powerful your son will have to realize the fact that one person the one person who was supposed to care for and nourish him throughout his childhood was in fact causing him harm you now find yourself in a position where you have lost your family and place in society you will now lose your liberty as well. Detective Constable Mark Uren of Devon and Cornwall Police said, she constantly denied being cruel to her son. At no stage has she ever apologized for what she has done, and there has never been an explanation. So with all of that, after the court had reviewed all of the evidence against Lisa, in October of 2009, Judge Wildblood sentenced Lisa Hayden Johnson to 39 months in jail. A little over three years. Okay. Ooh. And this goes back to what Dr. Feldman said, that if they are ever prosecuted, it's usually kind of a slap on the wrist, right? Mm-hmm. But now, this is the good part, and we're going to end on a good note. Most importantly, what happened to Marky? As I said, Lisa was jailed for three years and three months after subjecting Marky to 325 medical actions and scamming, like, literally the whole world out of sympathy, money, and gifts. When Lisa was arrested, Marky was taken into care and out of her home in custody. After her arrest, Marky, who at that time was eight years old, would go on to live a new life under a new identity. Marky's father 
who was a supermarket manager and who was also initially taken in by Lisa's deception. I also call him a victim in this. He separated from his wife. Marky and his older sister went on to live with their father in another part of the country. In some follow-up articles after Lisa's sentencing, all reports were the same. Marky and his family are said to be really happy. And to the delight of everyone listening, it was reported that once Marky was removed from the abusive care of his mother, he went on to live a relatively healthy life. He had to recover from the wounds of his abuse, like the feeding tube and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but overall was able to live a fairly normal life as a normal little boy with his dad and sister. That is, I mean, that is good. You know, it's strange. The process of hearing these stories, um, these cases, I should say, is always interesting for me because I can't help, but I'm not going to say feel bad for, but I am so sad over Lisa. Like, for some reason, that's just, like, so sad to me. And it's like it's interesting because I feel a lot of times when I hear cases I'm kind of like well good good but for this one I don't know why but part of me is just like I just feel sad for her like what a pitiful pathetic I don't know I don't know that just it just makes me really sad for her it's like she lost her husband she lost both of her kids like why why would you do that why why do you do why was it necessary and was it worth it were the cruises were were the you know the applaud how do you i don't know how do you feel on that one any words any thoughts on that one so taking my therapist hat off and just keeping my human hat on i don't feel sorry for her i don't feel bad for her I think she had a lot of opportunities at any point to turn that car around. And that's kind of what I mean. Like that I typically am like, I agree a hundred percent with you. And I do like logically agree with you. But for some reason, this whole thing, I'm like, golly, maybe pity. Maybe it's not sad. Like maybe pity where I'm just like, ah, you are man. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say, because I'm sure that there are listeners who are like, how did the husband not know? You know, how did the grandparents not know? Let me tell you all something. Let me just tell you something. Kind of in a different context, but in the same vein. As a sex addiction therapist who has worked with primarily grown men, sex addicts, I have worked with people who were able to keep their mm, second life, if you will, Secret for decades, decades. I have had the honor of working with the betrayed partners of these men. And these women say, how did I not know that literally for 30 years, he has had a completely separate life? How could I not have seen that? And if we were to think about this rationally, dad's working full time, most likely, Mom quits her job to take care of him. She drives him to the hospital. She drives him here. She drives him there. Yeah. Mom says, look at this. You know, I'm sure she's forged some things here and there. Mm -hmm. Why would dad question that? Yeah. 
Why, why would he question that? No doctor has raised a red flag. So why would a thought cross this, this man's mind that maybe my son's not as sick as he really is? Right. Well, and he's married to the woman. He obviously has feelings for, you know what I mean? Like, well, and he sees, he sees his son in a, in a wheelchair. He sees his son with a, you know, oxygen mask. And they're like, well, what about him running around and eating normal food? I'm sure mom has a answer, medical answer for that. And dad's not a doctor. Dad's just, he's a, he's a supermarket manager. Right. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, he has flare ups. Maybe it cysts. Maybe this happens. Right. I think people are like, I would never like, I think we are so easily deceived that we are so easily deceivable. And again, my famous saying is the illusion of safety is that, oh, I would see right through that. No, you wouldn't. No. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. And more than that, I think so often you don't you don't want to. You don't oh. want it. You don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. You don't want to see the problems in your marriage. You don't want to see the problems in your with your kids. You know what I mean? But yeah, when it sure. gets to that level, I mean, who wants to see that? Yeah. And is it really that bad? Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, he is kind of sick. And, I mean, we are getting cruises. We are getting, you know, and that's that's good for him. He gets to live a pretty cool life. You know yeah. what I mean? There's a lot of justification um, that can happen, especially in this case. I, I know not well, all cases and, are. And the other one of, perks. you know, like, why would why would friends or neighbors or family who see, you know, like him in a wheelchair on TV being the sickest child in Britain and then eating a hot dog and running around. Like, why wouldn't they say anything? I ask you guys right now, if you found out that your next door neighbor was having an affair or you thought they were having an affair, would you walk up to that house, ring the doorbell and tell their partner? Most people would say no. Most people are going to say that's none of my business. Most people are going to say, I'm going to stay out of it. Even best friends. You know what I mean? Brenda. Brenda would ring your doorbell. Our mother would. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, she would. But she's an outlier. She's an outlier on this bell-shaped curve. Everybody else under the bell-shaped curve, most people. Because, again, what if you're wrong? <laughs> yeah. What, what if, if you, you destroy a family? What if you destroy a family and not just a family like today, but you have to think it's generational, right? Like that's going to be generational issues because you with your big mouth and your pompous I know what's going on. Yeah. So I think this case actually covering this case helps me understand the interview even more cuz when you guys will hear when Jordan tells their story, they were like this happened for I mean 20 years oh, and yeah. I was so pissed. I was like this pisses me off like how why did nobody say anything? Why did nobody like even in the interview I was just like this is this is stupid and I hate every second of this. Mm-hmm. But after like I really kind of process it and I break it down because I'm a late processor, right? Uh-huh. My knee-jerk reaction is just like, I don't understand it. This is stupid. Yeah. And then once I like take a step back and I look at everything from a 30,000 foot perspective, I'm like, this is why things fall through the cracks like mm-hmm. this. It is. I think the one thing that I have learned, and it's interesting that I'm literally taking classes right now for the course that I'm finishing up. And the but the one thing that I feel like I'm hearing more and more and more need for in multiple fills is interdisciplinary collaboration. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like having because when you are only seeing well, and they talk about this on 
like doctor hopping, right? Like you'll take them to multiple clinics. And so a lot of times these, these professionals, these medical professionals are going off of what they are presented with. Oh, there's triangulation, right? But if the schools could talk, and this is the problem with Mm -hmm. minors though, because parents can revoke releases. They can say, like, if you don't want to give permission to your child's teacher at school, you know, like mandated reporting. If a parent doesn't want it, you won't get it. And I think what's so cool about Joe and what they do is the fact that obviously, yes, there um there's information there is help while a person might be going through it but if if you don't get the help while you're going through it at some point you will hopefully grow up and you will hopefully be from out from underneath the thumb of your abuser and at that point joe and their team there are so many great resources that you get support you can get help you can go through healing and i think that is what's so cool again about what joe is doing and people like joe where they might not be able to solve it right now like we were saying like there are children issues and there's minors and there's consent and there are releases and there's all this stuff but eventually Hopefully you will get to a point where you can, you know, make your own choices and do your own research. And there is hope in that. And that's what is really cool and redeeming about um, what Joe does. Yeah. And Dr. Feldman and all the other people. Yeah, so I encourage you guys, especially those of y'all who are mandated reporters, nurses, doctors teachers cops whatever whoever's listening if you're a mandated reporter educate yourself if your department or your program or whatever doesn't offer education on factitious Mm -hmm. disorder the spectrum of that kind of abuse educate yourself on it yourself buy dr feldman's book reach out to joe they would be happy to educate you about it and so if you do come across something that makes you go or yeah or if you're a neighbor you know if you're a concerned citizen if you will if you know somebody at church if you know somebody in the neighborhood we will link a lot of that um pretty because they gave us a whole bunch of resources right really yeah it'll all be in the show notes for friday's interview i put some in the show notes for Uh for this one but but, but yes, I mean, it, there are so. actual, um, now these are obviously more U.S., I believe, based. I don't know how international. Um, exactly. They'll be able to point but you in the right even, direction. So, and then that yeah. way, if you are that person where you're like, I kind of have some sneaking suspicions, you can at least do a little bit of digging, do some research um, on your end before you're actually bringing forth. You know what I mean? And I think that is amazing in itself just to be able to have some resources, have some people to talk to. Um, because that, yeah, that's not something you're going to bring up at a potluck. Like, Hey, Susan, thanks so much for the broccoli rice casserole. By the way, I think my neighbor is abusing her kid. What do I do about that? You know what I mean? So, or yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to deal with it. But you can. And there, I'm sure it's all anonymous and you know, so. So yeah, that's the, that's the the abusive 
Lisa Hayden Johnson for you, man, on this. I hope that she finds treatment. I hope that she gets well. I hope she gets yeah. better. And so there's no more abuse being propagated on those around her. And I hope that her loved ones get the support and healing that Absolutely. they deserve and need. Ooh, this yeah. was a, so, this, I, you know, we always are always, we're always hesitant on saying like, ooh, that was a fun case, but because that's like such the wrong context, but that really is such, I don't know, that's a, that was such an interesting case for me. I'm really glad you covered that. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you reached out and Dr. Feldman and Joe agreed to talk with us on that because yeah. that has really opened um, my perspective and has deepened my knowledge because I was pretty much like, I I know the word, I know Munchausen by proxy. And especially right now with, you know, that kind of being a BuzzFeed word. Um, so yeah, right. I, like I said, for me personally, I'm really excited. Thanks for that case. I and you guys check I, out the I hope you guys love it. And as always, guys, let us know if there's something that you want us to cover. Because we are um, major nerds. Here for it. And we're all about. We, oh, we yeah. want to dig it. We want to dig it up. So. We do. If you haven't heard it today, you are loved, worthy, and valuable. We will catch yeah. you on the flip side. Bye, Bye, guys. Hey, Wildside Tribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wildside Podcast. Make sure to tune in on Wildside Wednesdays. New episodes will drop each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a wild case recommendation, email us at wildsidepodcast at gmail.com. That's wildside with a C. Or share your thoughts in the comments below. As always, if you haven't heard it today, you're loved, you're worthy, and you're valuable. And we'll catch you on the The flip flip side. side.